Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Samuel Rook and Jeremy Smith. It's the last weekend of the season with the final match day coming before the winter break will be on a midweek. So let's make the most before a barren two-week spell where we might actually have to talk to people about something other than French football. I shudder at the thought. But before previewing the upcoming action, here is the news from the midweek Coupe de la Ligue football. Toulouse continued their recent return to form with a 2-0 win over struggling Bordeaux, with Max-Alain Gradel scoring from the spot for the second time in a week, while Monaco hero Guido Carrillo scored again as last year's finalists beat Caen by the same scoreline, which also included a fabulous goal from over 50 yards from Radamel Falcao. Angers have Angelo Fulgini to thank as they snuck past Metz by a single goal, as Rennes eventually saw off a stubborn Marseille on penalties after the game finished 2-0. Paris Saint-Germain exercised some revenge on Strasbourg as they ran out 4-2 winners at the Stade de la Meneau, while Nice needed to rely on spot kicks themselves after drawing 1-0 with Lille. Amiens saw off the final Ligue 2 side tour with a 2-1 victory as Montpellier provided the surprise of the round as they won 4-1 at home to knock out a stunned Lyon. The quarter-final draw has a pick of a match in the Côte d'Azur derby between Nice and Monaco. The other fixtures see Amiens host PSG, Montpellier travel to Angers and Rennes face Toulouse. In off-the-field news, the DNCG has suspended Lille from the January transfer window due to financial irregularities. Some, stores, some sources are stating the situation is so dire that the club may be relegated at the end of the season, while the club may be forced to hold on to maligned manager Marcelo Bielsa as he's demanding a €9.5 million Euro payout. Strasbourg have been given the go-ahead to expand their stadium from 26,000 to 32,000 fans, a move which could cost up to 100 million euros and should be complete by 2022. <laughs> and finally, the LFP have voted in favour of VAR to be actioned in League A next season. That would be for goals, straight red cards, mistaken identity and penalties but this does not confirm its usage next season just yet, seeing as the IFAB would could, or could, and not necessarily would, invalidate it as they are the only body able to make formal changes in football. And that's all for now, but for all your latest news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. So let's dive into the weekend straight away. And the first one on the docket this evening is Friday night's game between Saint-Étienne and Monaco. And I want to focus on the hosts first, Sam. Um, we talked on Monday's pod, myself and Adam, about it being a pretty horrendous time for Saint-Étienne at the moment. They've won one of the last 10 games. And that's, a, apologies for Jez on this one, but a misnomer in the fact it was Mets they beat in that, <laughs> that, one, that one victory. <laughs> This is not the kind of game that they want to play to try and bounce back after what has been a really, really awful run since that, especially since that derby defeat to Lyon. Yeah, I mean, things things have gone from bad to worse for Saint-Étienne since that, that derby defeat, as you mentioned. I mean, arguably, this wasn't the defeat to Marseille wasn't worse because it wasn't a derby, but it was it was pretty embarrassing. It was, a, it was pretty much just dropping tools and really just almost giving up. And you really worry against the Monaco side who are kind of coming coming back, coming out of their little little slump. You think, well, this is a perfect opportunity for Monaco to, to savage someone and, and really get back into form ahead of the break. And Saint-Étienne, this, this game really just comes at a bad time. You, you really want to be facing Mets again, to be honest. <laughs> I think I think you would concur with that really, Jessam, at the moment. But let's let's focus on Levy. I don't want to slam your team a little bit too much, but they they've just looked particularly ordinary. I mean, we mentioned as well that a lot of times in on this show and, and several other shows that Christophe Galtier's time at the club felt like it was coming to a natural end. But was that maybe wishful thinking? That I mean, if anything, the the strong point of this team was always their defence, and now that's starting to go backwards, especially with a uh, Loic Perrin uh, facing a spell on the sidelines. I think um, in Perrin's case, I mean, it's, 
Um, he's becoming, he's, I think he's starting maybe to, to show his age a little bit, getting a little bit injury prone. And I th any any team that doesn't have a, a very consistent starting back four, I think is always going to struggle a little bit. But they're just, you, you look on paper at the team they've got, and yeah, they, they, they've had a few injuries as they always seem to do. And, you know, a couple of weird issues like, you know, Bamba being dropped for a couple of games earlier on this season because of a um, sort of dispute over the, the new contract and new salary that he wanted. But on paper, it's still, if not the most exciting team in the league, certainly one that shouldn't be sort of in free fall as it is at the moment. Um, Diony, you know, he was one player that everyone, we were all kind of excited about the way he was playing last season and thought was an excellent signing for Saint-Étienne who, who, who seemed to have lacked a real goal scorer for a long time but that hasn't clicked at all and um, I just I think that they're they're being affected quite a lot by um, off off the pitch issues um, there just seems to be so many people um, in the background that have got different little pockets of power and it's not particularly clear who's in charge of what and I think that that possibly did for Oscar Garcia. I think he'd had enough of, um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Romael Cayazzo sort of butting in and trying to get involved in the in the playing side. So I, th I think that was one of the reasons he left. I think Sable is probably not an ideal replacement in anyone's eyes, but probably a similar reason. He's probably there because, you know, almost like, <laughs> weird analogy but when John Major became Prime Minister here just because he was the least offensive option for everyone rather than someone that everyone wanted and you know it's nothing particularly against him he doesn't have his badges he hasn't done the right sort of qualifications and I think he's probably a bit out of his depth and something needs to change there quickly to, to stop the rut yeah there's a real worry that they're starting to spiral out of control I mean they're not far off the drop zone now. I mean, they're only two points in front of Lille, who currently occupy that, that playoff place, and, and obviously only five points behind, which at this stage of the season, when you're in free fall, it is a little bit of a worry. But they, they face a team, Sam, in, in Monaco that are slowly but surely getting a little bit better over the last couple of weeks. I, I sort of after they've got the Champions League almost out of the way, they've they've slowly sort of built from there. But one player I want to talk about in particular who has impressed sort of over the last month or so, and he scored twice last week and he, he scored midweek as well, and that's Guido Carrillo. Um, they've really struggled for goals in that that sort of barren spell, even though Falcao had an excellent start of the season. Is there a real argument to to try him from the start with the fact that Kaita Balde has not set the world alight and Jovetic is in and out of the team through injury as well? If they want to try and play in 4-4-2, is he maybe the answer? I mean, I think you think he probably is. Yeah, I mean, we, we said earlier in the season Falcao's goals were papering over problems that they had. He was just scoring at such a ridiculous rate that even though Monaco themselves weren't playing particularly well, they were winning games and, and they were still very much up there. When Falcao stopped scoring at quite such a clip, uh, things started to look very, very average. But, I mean, Carrillo, obviously, those goals in a, a miraculous win um, last weekend, that was that was just fantastic. Uh, but you think perhaps he could be the answer. He's only got four goals though this season. He's not exactly prolific, but it's all about finding the right person to get the most out of Falcao because he is far and away the most important player to this team as it stands. If Falcao can, can score and if Carrillo can help him score, then that's what you want. And he has looked good in his opportunities. He hasn't maybe had so many. Other players like you mentioned, Keita Balde, Jovetic as well, they, they perhaps get more opportunities, they are bigger names and probably more talented, but it's not really so much about talent. I mean, if Carrillo can be the, the Valère Germain to this version of Monaco, then so much the better. It doesn't matter if he's not a particularly flashy player, but if he can make things happen for the, the more talented players around him, then that's the solution for Monaco going forward. Yeah, that, that's well. Uh, these next two games really, they, if they play Santa Tiena away on Friday and they play Ren in that sort of weird, everyone plays on Wednesday it, winter <laughs> game that we're getting uh, later this week, uh, Jez. But this is a really important game for them, and, and those both those games because now they're level on points with with Marseille and Lyon. There's a real scrap for that second place, looking like it it might go into well the second half of the season. That might be the narrative with uh, with Paris Saint Germain seemingly going to pull away. It, 
it's vital that they, especially when they face a team in other years, you would have said a, a game at Le Ver, uh, the the Geoffrey Guichard will be a, a difficult away trip. But this is a great opportunity to pick up a three points in what would have previously proven to be a, a difficult game, especially as Lyon and Marseille are playing each other as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at least one of those two teams are going to drop points. So it's it's a huge match for, for Monaco to try to sort of um, still, uh, you know, at least two points advantage over over one of them, and yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, you mentioned that Saint Etienne's only win recently has been against Metz. I mean, you could, you could look at it the other way as well. Bordeaux have been in terrible form, and their only win recently has been against Saint Etienne. So, you know, they they <laughs> Metz aside, they do seem like one of those teams that are there for the taking at the moment. I mean, Jeffrey Guichard is always a difficult place to go to as long as the the fans are. Behind Saint Etienne, um, you get you get the feeling if Monaco would score early, it it could get quite sort of X-rated. Um, if Saint Etienne score early, or you know at least do some good things early and really get the crowd behind them, um, I don't think it will be a formality for Monaco. But they have to start as favourites, and and um, yeah, it's a it's a huge opportunity for them. And, um, you know, even though they're at home in the last game, I'd say home home to Wren, on paper, Wren a little bit better recently. I'd say that's a harder match than, than away to Saint-Étienne. So I think it's crucial that, you know, if they want to finish this half of the season, um, kind of, I guess, making a statement or setting themselves up well for the second half, then, you know, yeah, I think they, they need to be winning at Saint-Étienne. Yeah, Ren's a bit of a funny game, really, to be fair. They seem to play up to any team that's better than them and play down to anyone that's that's sort of below what they perceived level is, at least. And they might at least hope that Paris Saint-Germain might soften them up with a with a good result at the weekend as well. But let's get some predictions. I'll go with you, Sam. What are you, what are you predicting in this one? Uh, well, I was I was surprised to learn that uh, Saint-Étienne are Monaco's um, sort of bête noire, historically. They're the team with the worst record for Monaco in history. Um but I don't imagine that that's going to continue this week. I think Monaco are going to win and, and win it probably quite comfortably. I'm going to, I'm going to say 4 0 to Monaco. Jess? Um, I'll go 3 1 Monaco. This this feels like uh, one of the results that Monaco seemed to get this season, and that's 2 0. Um, and possibly maybe something from Falcao again. It was a great goal in midweek. Is it's not? Uh, there's been a lot of goals seemingly scored from, from distance in a number of different leagues. That's. Not the best one, I would say. I, th- I still think for the Kiers is probably the best that we've seen in any level at any division so far this season. But that was still a very nice little goal. But um, nice to see the Colombians starting to get back on the on the score sheet as well. On to a really interesting game on Saturday because we want to talk about one team in particular first, and that will be Lille, who face Dijon, who have been in decent form but did lose pretty heavily um, against Gengomp last time out. But... As we mentioned in the news, really, Sam, Lille have a lot of problems off the field now. They're not going to be buy, able to buy anyone in January now, which is a major issue. There's reports that um, they have a big bill to pay that they need to show for before possibly the DNCG might relegate them at the end of the season. That'll be hanging over them now for, for a long time until that's resolved. And now the Bielsa situation is getting more complex because they might not be able to even afford to let him go unless he decides to walk or, or something of that, which is highly unlikely as well. It gets trickier and trickier and trickier down there at the moment, doesn't it? We we talk a lot about football teams having a nightmare season, but if you think about where Lille were in the summer, Bielsa's in, we've got money, we're buying players, we're buying these exciting young Brazilians where we're making lots of changes, everything's happening Lille are on the up. This is Lille are coming back. This is going to be Lille's time again. From that to where we are now, to all those problems you've just described, I mean, that this really must feel like a nightmare. For the supporters, it must really feel like that summer was just, that feels years ago now. And this just, it's just, it's just hit after hit. And even just as they were starting to, to show a little bit, they were starting to come out of that terrible form. You know, they beat Lyon, they beat Toulouse, they they were frustratingly poor against PSG, but even there, there was there were still some of those those green shoots we've talked about so often on this show that Lille have shown progress. And then just as things they seem to be coming out again of this nightmare, it's right back into it, and it's worse than ever. I mean, it seemed like maybe they were going to push push their way out of the relegation zone, and then they could be pulled back into relegation by off-field matters. It really is. It really is a nightmare. 
Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Their, their form sort of recently has been sort of flowing, at least, compared to what it was just a complete downturn in recent terms. But and I bet that, for one thing, I, I'm thinking Marseille fans must be absolutely delighted that they didn't get Gerard Lopez because it seems like he was the bum deal when uh, Frank McCourt was the one that everyone was worried about with him. Um, with the issues in the US and, and him holding a baseball team and having any issues there. But is there a way out for this, Jeremy? I mean, you must think that this must weigh pretty heavily on the players, and especially just before a winter break. I mean, some of them will be praying that they can jump ship, surely, won't they? Um, they could do. It'd be interesting to know whether it's the sort of current first-team squad that thinks they can or the players that have been the stalwarts of Lille the last few years that Bielsa sort of... Um, chucked by the wayside um, and are kind of still waiting in the wings. Um, as Enyamo is just coming back from a bad injury, but there's a few, you know, very decent, very experienced players sort of twiddling their thumbs in the background. Um, I, <coughs> if it came down to it, I still think they've got the the enough there, especially when you consider that Mess are pretty much dead and buried. There's enough there that I think they they could and should be safe. Um, I still don't think they've got a, a decent striker. That's the, I'd say, their the main concern. But there's still enough of a squad there to keep them up. But um, yeah, I, I think everything they did in the summer was very messy. I think it was very dangerous to put all their eggs in the Bielsa basket to give him as much. Con- I know that he's the kind of person who thrives on being able to control everything, but I think they probably bent over a little bit too much for him, for someone who. Um, you know, is, is you know every hipster's favourite manager, and certainly a lot of the best managers around seem to have learned from him. But his own personal records has never been particularly great, and certainly the way that he often leaves clubs in the lurch um, isn't ideal either. So I, I think Lille were always um, risking a lot by, you know, down to things like you know building special bungalows and huts around the training ground because he insisted on it and things like that um and you know clearly that from from what they've announced this week i think there's obviously more there than we even thought in the first place but if it's just in terms of of playing matters i think they should have enough about them to stay up but yeah if it comes to you know that that decision or you know whether they stay up or not being taken away from the players themselves and just being based on accounts in the boardroom then you know i suppose you have to say little surely have only got themselves to blame because they, they should have been keeping on top of that and i mean if you're a player though you start now worrying if there's threats from the dncg you start worrying well is this going to affect my paycheck sooner rather than later is it going to affect my possibility of of earning for my family and and the people around me start losing their jobs and bits like that. Is that where this sort of trails off? I, I, I do really worry. For the, way, the way the way some of their players have been playing, they should be grateful they've had a paycheck up to now. <laughs> That's a good point. And, and I, I, it's this amalgamation of a lot of teams sort of from 23 points downwards at the moment that you could all argue we're possibly still in a, not in a fight for it at least, but you look at some of those teams, I mean, near the bottom at the moment, Angers have a good talent level, Lille do, Saint-Étienne, Toulouse, Bordeaux, they've all got talented players, but they're all stuck in that mire. I, I just feel someone's going to be sucked into that vortex at the moment of the, the sort of teams like Troyes and Dijon and Strasbourg and Amiens. <laughs> All performing relatively well as well as sort of suffocated these teams that should be doing a lot better and and has uh, really made them struggle and I, I fear that especially come this point that we're sort of on the on the cusp of the mid point of the season some of these teams might be really sucked in there deeper if it wasn't for you know Mets being so dire in terms of points wise then it might be even more of a worry really for some of these teams but they they take on a team that. They should, at least on paper, feel like they should be beating, but a team that's full of players that probably want to beat them in the likes of Jekka and, and Sleety as well, who were, who were sort of cast aside by uh, Bielsa and joined Dijon. They, they've they been good of late. We've mentioned a few times, Sam, that they've sort of picked up ahead of steam, but uh, the loss at, at Gangomp may be excused by the early red card. It was definitely a red card, but that's sort of what's led to the sort of 4-0 thumping they faced. But this is an ideal opportunity for them to get back on the horse, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talk about everyone wants to play Mets, but at this point, 
arguably with all the problems on and off the pitch, probably everyone wants to play Lille just a little bit. I mean, Dijon are a really good side at home. They win games at home. They're one of the better teams in the league. I think they're a top six team on home form. And you're playing a team that, that don't travel particularly well. I mean, they don't play particularly well at home either, but Lille don't travel particularly well. They don't, um, they're not really a team that you expect to put under, put Dijon under a, a whole lot of pressure. Thiago Maia is probably going to miss the game for Lille as well. And, and we know that when he doesn't play, Lille almost always don't win. So that's just another, another point in Dijon's favor. And, they're just, you know, they're just floating along. They've, they've done really well. I mean, as you've mentioned, Gangon, that was the the exception. Uh, you know, you get a red card that early, heads go down. That's frustrating. I mean, you know, teams, Mets showed against Toulouse, you can lose a man early and still fight on. And they did ably, and that was very impressive. And, and Dijon didn't do that. And that'll be disappointing that, you know, you can lose a game away with 10 men, fine, but you don't have to collapse in the way that they did. So that's, that is problematic, but perhaps that just sort of helps sharpen things up on the training ground. They didn't have a midweek cup game, so they'll be nice and fresh. They'll be ready to go. And, and this is a game that they'll really, really want to win this because that will just lift them really far away from relegation and leave them six points clear of the drop zone if they win this one. And, and that's just a lovely place to be for Dijon at this point in the season. Yeah, I also think the red card as well, it, it, definitely a red card. But at the same time, this team plays on such an attacking edge rather than a defensive edge than a lot of teams in the lower half of Liga. And that losing a player can sort of completely derail their style in almost. I, I don't think that, I think even though they have improved defensively, I, I don't think this is the kind of team that can sort of, sort of shut up shop and uh, hope for the best and sort of see out opponents for 80 minutes. I don't think that, that is quite the team to do that. But saying that, um, Jez, with a full complement of 11 players this time, at least hopefully for more than 12 minutes, they should be really aside with, you know, Lille have not the greatest defensive record at the moment. There's a lot of questions about their centre-backs as well and their full-backs regularly being someone like Thiago Maia who'll be missing. Um, this is a possibility that they could maybe, questionably, sort of uh, rack up the goal difference a little bit if they, they really are playing on, on song. I think they've definitely got the capability to. I mean, they've won their, I think, their last four at home, um, which, you know, by any standards is, is a is a good run. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're just, they're really good fun to watch. Like, you know you're going to get goals one way or the other um, when they're playing. They, they you know, they, they rarely, you know, shut up shop. They generally go for it, which sometimes works to their disadvantage. But, um, yeah, at least it's fun to watch. And at home... Um, with the crowd behind them against the team who, yeah, where they, where they probably feel that they can afford to be even more gung ho because they're probably not too worried about what's gonna what's gonna happen if and when they lose the ball. I, I agree. I, I think it could, it, yeah, they could they could come out very clear winners in this one. Yeah, and if there's a game you want to watch in the multiplex this weekend, Dijon have only well, in the last five games they've had at least three goals in every single one of those games. Four of those five games have at least four goals as well. So if you want action, watch Dijon. But let's get a prediction on this one. I'll start with you, Jez. What do you think the result will be? Uh, <clears throat> I was tempted to say that they'll that um sort of cancel out the gag on one and say four 0 but I'll go three 0 I think they'll be comfortable in this. Sam? I think this might be an opportunity for Lille to show a bit of fight, and I don't think they're going to win, but I think maybe maybe 1-0 to Dijon. I think it'll be a 3-1 to Dijon. They, they never tend to hold out. They've not had many clean sheets this season, so uh, let's hope that the Lille, at least after this game, and maybe recoup something in January and uh, can get back on the focus, because we never want to see a teams go down because of financial difficulties because we have seen how that's changed for teams like Bastia and uh, Evian in recent memory as well. Let's hope that they can get out of that mire a bit. But let's talk about a team now in an interesting game um, that have succeeded in the last couple of weeks fantastically as well. And I think we should highlight them a little bit more really because I don't think we've really complimented them enough. And that's Strasbourg. Um, we mentioned the week before about Paris Saint-Germain's failings and then last week on Monday we, we had a big pop at Bordeaux for a long while. So let's focus on this team, Sam, who have pulled out two fantastic results in Liga in the last two weeks. I think even the two one or the, the win against the two one win against Paris Saint Germain was good, but the three 0 win against Bordeaux was possibly even better. You can maybe forgive them the four two defeat in the week to in the Coupe de la Ligue to Paris Saint Germain as well. That's they've maybe exacted some revenge there. But but they we mentioned that this team is starting to figure out how to play in, in Liga, but 
more than that now. They're, they're learning how to win as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the PSG game midweek, you can excuse them a lot. It was a rotated side. A lot of the sort of mainstays of this Strasbourg team didn't play. And uh, I don't think they'll be that bothered, really. I mean, obviously, their goal this season is survival. And the way they've been playing in the last few weeks, you have to think that that's very, very much something within their capabilities. I mean, the, the PSG game, just unbelievable. But then, yeah, against Bordeaux, it was really, that was a performance of a, a slick senior league and side that was not a uh, promoted side fumbling about and maybe getting a lucky win away at a big, big French team. That was, no, that was a very serious performance and, and highlighted by that goal from, from Martin Terrier, just sensational. And, and he's been someone that's been talked about as a coming player for such a long time. And, and it's great to see him making an impact. He got an assist in that game as well. And he just looks a fabulous young player. And this, this Strasbourg team, I mean, they're, they're flying. This, I think, sixth in the form table well away from relegation at the moment and, and just fantastic to watch. Yeah, and looking back at the sort of, I remember the sort of sparkling moment for a lot of us was that Marseille game back in early October, mid-October actually. Um, they've only lost once since then. It was a weird sort of anomaly, 3-0 lost to Trois. Since then, they've they beat Nice away from home. They drew with Angers, beat Rennes, drew with Saint-Étienne in a weird game again. Uh, 0-0 draw against Caen, who were doing really well. And then the two victories that they've picked up recently they've got some interesting talent as well Jez I mean Sam pointed out Martin Terrier there who got his goal deserved at the weekend but Nuno da Costa's come up with a couple of goals Stefan Bajokin has scored two important goals in those big games we all like the transfer of Jonas Martin in the summer and, and uh, Dimitri Leonard is, is popping up here there and everywhere as well the one who's followed them all the way from the Nationale as well they, they've got some serious talent now that are starting to really mould themselves in Liga yeah I, th- I think they've got a really nice balance of youth and experience of um you know they've got a few players that that have <coughs> excuse me bit you know that do have league experience especially in the in the bat line you've got players like uh lala morgan and, and kone who, you know at Lyon a lot of the time people kind of joked about how accident prone he was but generally he's been he's been very good for for strasbourg Liena and Grimm, who are you know coming up with some fantastic long-range efforts and and some, you know good um, set-piece work as well, and yeah, and then they've got Balkan, who's you know come from a failed loan period at Saint Etienne to now be um, you know scoring brilliant winners against PSG, so it's working out well for him. And Terrier, you know, we just talked about Lille's struggles, particularly up front. Um, he's on loan from Lille, and I think they could really do with him at the moment. He looks fantastic, and you know he's he's been great for for France under twenty ones this season as well. It's not just for Strasbourg, but you know as much as um, Jovanovic and and Toulon are sort of um, kind of acted like the Red Sea and just opened up for him to to power past him the other day. Still, you know the 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 confidence and the poise to, you know, chest it down from his own area and, and sprint through like that and finish well as well. Um, yeah, the, it kind of sums up the whole team. They're playing with a lot of confidence and a little bit like Dijon at the start of the season, it looked like they were going to be playing some good football, but, you know, maybe conceding a few too many, but, you know, they're going to score, but it looked like they were going to concede more than, than they'd put away. But yeah, certainly in the last month or six weeks or so, um, even two months um yeah they, they they seem to have worked it out and uh also you know considering how far back they've come from and you know the great support that they get at the menor I, I don't think many people even possibly mess and nasty fans would begrudge them um you know staying up the way they're doing it yeah, and you look at that. I've really liked how Kuju's come in with Kamara injured as well. He's had a good game and a half in, in two very big games. You mentioned Lala there as well. I think he's had a fantastic season so far as well, the fullback as well. He's been excellent. And then, like you say, a lot of people, when you see those the fans and the reaction that they got in those, especially in that Paris Saint-Germain game, they were absolutely fantastic then. They were they were great against Marseille as well. The fact that they are able to possibly expand their stadium to 32,000 come 2022, you start thinking that this could be a club that could quite easily sort of seat itself as a permanent fixture in Liga. And who would complain really when they when their possibility of their following and, and the, the football they're playing that what they can possibly make is it, really positive. It's great to see a, a French club. We often see a lot of 
teams come from league there and they're either former league and clubs and sort of struggle or that or they are league there clubs that are maybe playing a level bef- above where they should naturally be let's say they sort of skipped a skip to step in, in some sense and they they struggle to really hold on to their league and status but this feels like a club that has a plan and has an idea and, and it felt like that in the summer as well with the transfers that we're making the hope is that they can if they can continue and stay up and then establish themselves a little bit more it'd be great to see because we don't see it as often as we maybe should do in in league and but Another well, they face a team that's just come out of a real stink, really, in a way. Um, Sam Toulouse in the last couple of weeks have got a couple of wins finally on, under their belt. They beat Bordeaux in midweek, and they beat Colin as well, who've been relatively decent. But before that, they were they were really kicking up a fuss. I mean, they, they lost their last sort of five games. Yes, they they nicked a couple of wins before that, but it was against an Amiens side that was struggling then in early October, and and an Angers side that's struggling now as well. Do they feel like they're finally starting to turn a corner and f- because they're finding the back of the net and that's, again, relieving the pressure on that defence that had sort of bent a little bit in the last couple of weeks? I, uh, I hope so, um, but I'm not, I'm not yet convinced. Um, I think two, two results. One, a cup game, which we know uh, you can't take so much from that. And, and as you also mentioned earlier, Max Allen Gradle, Two penalties, um, which have been very important to these games. I mean, you know, yes, you have to convert them, but it's it's perhaps not quite the same as as Toulouse finding their feet, scoring goals a bit more freely, which is obviously what has been their problem. You know, they're never a team that scores a lot, but they just needed to score some. And four goals in two games is great. That's a massive improvement on what they had been doing, which had been just just not scoring at all. Um, but I think it's probably a bit early to say that they're, they're really out of their funk. Um, you know they're still very much down there in the in the scrap. You know they're a point out of relegation, which is not good. They're uh, right down there in the form table as well, seventeenth, same place that they they are on the actual table. Um, they just they just have a, you know players. Quentin Jean still hasn't scored a goal. I think he's had thirty five shots without scoring. Uh, it's just it's a lot of that going around at Toulouse. There's a lot of players who are just doing their trying, but they just look a long way from being. Uh, comfortable and, and as you, you mentioned that that puts the pressure on the defense and the, their defense was their strength for a long time but for the better part of a year now the end of last season the start of this season they haven't been able to score goals that's put pressure on the defense you see mistakes coming out of guys like like Issa Diop who you just didn't see these sorts of mistakes before because they're under so much more pressure and and yes the attack is taking pressure off them the last couple of games but let's let's just see really yeah, I think it might have helped by, especially in that Bordeaux game, they played Kauzak in, in Bula in midfield, which is as defensive as you possibly can get, really, in all honesty. And they are missing a couple of players as well. They've missed Alexis Blin over the last couple of games. Well, they, he missed the midweek game, and, and Jimmy Dermaz has missed some time as well. They, they just seem to be missing a bit of creative flair, don't they, Jeremy? I mean, we mentioned it in the summer that they losing someone like Oscar Trejo, they maybe needed someone in midfield to help there. They've not done that. They brought in Gradel, but they still seem to want to play. Jean as a winger, it's not really working. Toivonen starting, and he, he did score in midweek, but it doesn't really gel with the law and the formation as well. It does Dermaz maybe need an... Um, Dupraz, sorry. Yeah, I will always get those mixed up, I think. <laughs> but do you think Dupraz needs a, a different kind of plan for this team? I mean, they have such a good young defence that when they have... Well, they're not constantly under pressure in games can help them a lot, but they, they're under threat a lot because this team just doesn't know what to do offensively. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I've, I've never been 100% con- convinced about Dupraz. I've always seen him as a bit of a sort of Kevin Keegan, Stuart Pearce type who's you know, great when the backs are really against the wall and, you know, that famous sort of passionate team talk before the, that great escape a couple of seasons back and, um, you know, lots of blood and thunder and good at getting your, your players to sort of, um, you know, bleed for the cause, which I think works for sort of the odd matches when, when it's, you know, um, win or bust kind of thing. But I'm, I'm, I've never been convinced about him as a, a manager who can really kind of mount a decent, sustained campaign of any kind. And with the the wealth of talented young players that, that Toulouse have, I do think they should be doing better than they are. And yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced about some of the choices he makes. Um, you know, there's some players like Mbula, it was kind of, you know, it was probably a, a good gamble to take 
because everyone knows that he's got the talent and and you know hasn't really been showing it the last couple of years. But I don't think he's got the best out of him yet. Corentin Jean, another one who we spoke about. You know, it seems like years ago now already that he was going to be this great talent, and it hasn't really clicked. Um, it does still feel that they're a little bit Delore reliant um, going forward, but. You know, I suppose to an extent, you have to say, well, that's um, the fault of Dupraz and those above him for, for, yeah, not bringing in a little bit more creativity during during the summer. Um, so, uh, I mean, on the basis that I think he's good when the chips are down, maybe it kind of suits them that that they they are sort of in in the relegation dogfight because I think that's when he comes into his own. He has already at Toulouse, he did at Evian as well, um, but I do. I do find it disappointing because, similarly to Strasbourg, you know, Toulouse is a, it's not okay, it's not a football town, it's a rugby town, but still they've got, they should have a great infrastructure there. They've been in Ligue 1 for a hell of a long time now. They've got some good players there, and I, for years now it's felt like they should be kicking on and and becoming, you know, real challengers at least, you know, in cups maybe if not, if not for the league. Cups and European places, and every year it just seems to be the stamp squib when you expect so much more. Yeah, it's a real worry given the talent that they have done over the last sort of five years. Or so that they they've never really churned out more than sort of a daring glance at sort of mid table. Um, and 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 you start thinking as well if they start losing players in, in the summer, especially that there was a big offer for he said Diop supposedly from a RB Leipzig last summer. They someone's bound to come in for him again and. And you start thinking that Lafont's going to attract eyes from elsewhere sooner rather than later as well with his talent as well. Once they're stripped away from them, then they start to struggle. You you think is the is the next generation in line? Do they have plans for extra players to come in there or, or and replacements? You don't feel like it, and then you start thinking, well, are they looking down rather than up again? And I agree. It's never really quite clicked enough for me under under Pascal Dupras to convince me that um, he can do much more than keep them afloat, really. But um, uh, it's a tough one, really. I'm going for Strasbourg in this one. I, I think they've been excellent over the last couple of weeks, um, and I fancy them to not be well, as e- easy as it probably was against Bordeaux. I mean, they won't fall over like a like to um, the sort of Bordeaux defence did for them at least. Anyway, I, I think I'll go for a 1-0 win here for, for the home side. What do you think, Sam? Uh, I'd love to see Toulouse um, to do something. Uh, that, that is, that's where my wife's from, and so I'm, I'm a bit Toulouse on myself, but um, I, don't, I don't see it. I just haven't seen anything uh, really to, to instill much hope. I think Strasbourg will probably win this. Uh, it'll be tight. I think 1-0 Strasbourg. Jess? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Sam in that I don't think the two... These two 2 0 wins actually count for that much. Coupe de la Ligue against Bordeaux was more or less a formality, and I think the 2 0 last week actually was a little bit flattering. It came from a, a ridiculous penalty, as in it was a penalty, but ridiculously done or given away. And, you know, very lucky big deflection. So I'm still not convinced about them. I think 2 0 Strasbourg. Yeah, it just feels like that the home side, especially on such a crest of a wave at the moment, that they they'll sort of sweep away a Toulouse side that are still not really convincing. And you start to think towards January, maybe in this winter break, maybe they decide to do something to change that. Um, let's wait and see. Um, on Sunday, there's a couple of interesting games, and we'll come to the really great one that finishes our weekend later on. But Nice Bordeaux sounds a lot more blockbuster at the start of the season than it possibly does now. Although, in fairness to the home side, they have improved a little bit over recent weeks after what was um, an absolutely abysmal October, at least anyway. Um, let's start with them then, Sam. Uh, the last couple of weeks, they, they the results admittedly against Toulouse and, and Mets are a little bit favoursome because of how those teams are playing. But a victory over not it gives them a little bit of hope and one thing we briefly mentioned on the Monday show is and I want to mention again is is that man who grabs all the headlines which is Mario Balotelli um, there is news that that well, in the papers that uh, the club might not be able to hold on to him should they not reach European competition again this season and while they're in eighth now at least they might have a chance at it but admittedly in a strange season for them the Italian's probably been their best player or at least most important yeah, and you're right. It has been a it has been a strange season. Um, it feels like they've had about three or four 
periods already in less than half a season. They were, they were good, they were terrible again, they were good again, they were terrible again. It's been, it's been an odd one. And, and you're right, Balotelli has been just incredibly important. I mean, it's, it is sort of the ultimate cliche, but it's just all about goals. And Balotelli has, has done what needed to be done. He scored goals. He's, he's also he's made things happen for players around him. And, and it's so hard to get away from the character that is Balotelli and look at him as an actual footballer. But he has been really important and really useful. And this has been the best spell of his career. This has been the most prolific he's been at any club. Um, you know, this is perhaps the what we what we kind of hoped for when we saw the emergence of a young Balotelli. You, you kind of thought maybe this is what you'll get out of him—a guy who can kind of do everything, a guy who's big and strong and fast, but also clever and, and can make things happen. And he and he he bollocks people when they make mistakes. And you're seeing you're seeing a different player now. I think uh, at Nice, and, and yeah, he is just incredibly important. Seri, arguably, perhaps still the most important. We see when he goes out when he's out. Form goes out the window, but certainly Balotelli right up there as well. Yeah, and it's good to see Seri slowly getting back to the form we've we should know really from him. He's he's not been at his very best this season, but it does look like he's growing in power. And to see the the another another player that's sort of attributed to their uprising form and has played more in recent weeks, especially now he's not injured at least, is Alan Saint Maximan as well, who's sort of maybe give them a little bit of a spark, a little bit of pace, something they were. They were really, really missing at the start of the season. Was it was an injection of something? I mean, it, it does help that having someone like him on the on the field does help. But do you think that Nice Jez can still be European contenders in this season? In this bizarre sort of season we're having, because it, they are now back up to eighth, um, which admittedly is at least better than they were before. But they're, they're not far away from a lot of teams around them in those sort of fourth, fifth positions. They're only sort of two points off Ren. They're about four points of non. Uh, there's a big gap then to the sort of Champions League places, at least a sort of four, well, fourth, at least anyway. But fifth is an achievable goal in this sort of amalgamation of a season at the moment for these mid-table sides. I think so. I think yeah, the, the top four um, look look like they've got too big a gap to to, to overcome now. But you know, Nice haven't changed that much in terms of personnel from last year, and yeah, Seri's gone off a bit, but I think that. Um, uh, Balotelli, I think, yeah, has, has grown in stature from last year. Um, you know, for a start, he's, he's kind of being risked more in away matches and, and he's scoring away from home. Whereas I think last year he was pretty much only allowed to do stuff at home. Um, his discipline has improved. He's, I think he's had one red card and it was a really harsh one. So I think things are going a lot better forward-wise, um, player is sort of tentatively coming back into a bit of form, which has been tough for him after a long injury. And Cyprian, hopefully, will, you know, he's, he's just coming back now. So hopefully he can, as quickly as possible, get back to last year's form. And so, I th yeah, I think um, things are looking good for them there. I think their main problem this year has, has felt like it's been the defence. That bit has been very much changed from last year. Um, Cardinal's lost a lot of form. Dante's lost a lot of form. And then the other three starting defenders from last year left in the summer so it's taken a while to 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 try to try to sort that end of the pitch up but if they can i personally i think they're they are a better team than montpellier ren and Nantes above them and um i think if they can play to their to their full potential i think yeah i would i think i'd make them favorites to finish fifth which seems absolutely absurd when you think that what three, four match days ago they were sort of flirting with the bottom of the table. Crazy, crazy moments we're having. But one team that is flirting with the bottom of the table at the moment is Bordeaux, who've been in an awful run of form. And we alluded to it earlier. It's one win in their last nine. Their win coming against another maligned team in Saint Etienne that seems like a misnomer more than anything, Sam. It's just slowly got worse and worse and worse for, for Jocelyn Golvenek so far this season. He can't really work out how to fix it as well. You start thinking as well that in, in January, teams might be sniffing around Malcolm to see if they maybe can get a cut price deal on him if, if they are struggling. There's some real worries for, for the lazy <laughs> and Dan, and, and, and maybe, even though we've always thought that Jocelyn Golvenek was that sort of next generation of French coach, maybe he's under real threat now as well. I mean, I think you, ha I think you have to be. Um, for a team with the quality that Bordeaux have, and we, we talk about it all the time, but you know, you can rattle off a list of players at Bordeaux who, who could start for basically all but 
but PSG and maybe one or two of the others in this league. This is far too good a team to be playing this poorly, but he's not he's not got this team set up properly at all. They just they don't score goals. You know, we talked about that earlier in the season when they were at least not conceding many, they were keeping games tight and they were winning but without without really impressing. I mean the the phrase uh sombrier, without without shining is one that the French press use a lot after sort of a dour, scrappy win and every it was game after game for Bordeaux it was just sombrier, sombrier because they just they haven't shone at all. And now that the defence has is, is not been doing anything and one clean sheet in 10 games, that coming, as you say, against Saint-Étienne, which doesn't really count because of how poorly Saint-Étienne have been playing. Yeah, Govanek should be under pressure because this is far too talented a side to, to be in this trouble. They should be, we thought at the start of the season, they'd be, they'd be one of the teams fighting for Champions League places. Now they're a team fighting for their place in Ligue 1. Yeah, you look at the run as well. They they lost to Paris Saint Germain at the start of it. There's a loss against Monaco there. There's a one nil defeat to Rennes. Okay, there's a one nil defeat to Caen. All right. There's one against Amiens. You think, mm. but then the last couple of weeks, especially Jez, they they lost very late on against Dijon, but they were pretty comfortable at one point at least in that game. It felt like, especially when they'd gone to sort of two one after Yambere, especially scoring immediately after Dijon sort of equalised, you felt, right, okay, this is this should be a, a win for Bordeaux, but they collapsed in that one. And then last week, they fell apart, really, against Strasbourg. It was pretty awful to watch, in all honesty. They, It could have been four, five, six on another day, had Strasbourg maybe got a little bit lucky with, with some shots that hit the bar, but Bordeaux didn't really create anything either. Is that the that was really the match that felt like the alarm bells should be absolutely ringing all the way around that stadium at the moment? That something needs to change if something doesn't happen between now and the winter break, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. The the um, yeah, I, I agree with Sam that on paper, certainly sort of midfield and forward line, they they seem spot for choice. Um, at the start of the season, I was concerned that. That they didn't really have a striker, and I thought the Previa was a brilliant signing that they would really sort of um, take them onto the next level. That hasn't worked out, but still, there's talent there, and um, it's it's bizarre that they they seem so reliant on Malcolm. In defence, it was always a concern. You know, <clears throat> I think any defence that needs to play an ageing midfielder as centre back, as starting centre back, is going to be concerning anyway. Um, but yeah, the, the defense has looked dodgy all season. Earlier in the season, it didn't matter because Malcolm was playing so well, because Kamano, I'm not absolutely convinced about, was doing an okay role helping him out, that kind of thing. But now the goals have dried up. Um, you can rely on that defense to concede. And yeah, without without Malcolm or someone at the other end to, to kind of cover up those mistakes, they're, they're losing each week and yeah while some of those defeats have been just by the odd goal it did feel the Strasbourg one felt different that felt a sort of lost the dressing room kind of defeat and you know certainly the fans were, were furious and um, I think after, after the match um, the president and Gulfenek tried to, to speak to some of the fan groups and Gulfenek was adamant that he's not going to change anything um, I hope they sort it out because not because I particularly for any affinity with Bordeaux, but I really like Govanek and I still think he's a talented coach, but something's gone wrong there. And yeah, the, the whereas beforehand it just felt like a bad run that, that they could come out of at some point, the Strasbourg one felt like it was a lot more serious than that. Yeah, it was a. feels like a real worry. I mean, I, I've been banging on about defence all season. It, it is not good enough to get to a European level and that's more than plain to see with the last couple of games, especially that awful Terrier goal. But the midfield is confused. He's not decided what he wants to play there. Attack, they don't look right. I mean, Depravel's come in and out of the side because he doesn't know whether to start him. He starts Mendy. Mendy does relatively average as well. Maybe he scores a goal, so he keeps him in, but then it doesn't work for the next game. He just needs to try and mix something up. It feels like he just needs to try and 
shake something out of them at the moment. He's tried to prevail out wide. It's half worked, but his system doesn't really fit with how he wants to play. I've pondered whether maybe he takes out a midfield and prays to Preville as sort of a, a number <coughs> 10 behind someone like Mendy. So they've got more, even more attacking options to try and create more. And it just seems like they're stuck somewhere that they can't really get out of at the moment. And at the moment, you don't really want to be facing someone like with that aging defense that's slow, plodding. I'm just looking at Alisson Player and Alan San Maximan and, and Balotelli's probably weighing them up, seeing how strong they are because they're. Uh, it could be a really heavyweight battle between him and <laughs> Toulon and one that uh, looks more like Toulon's going to be um, the 45-year-old returning from a, from a two-year absence and uh, Mario Balotelli may be looking like a, an Anthony Joshua at the moment, really. Um, Sam, what do you think in this one? I think you really have to worry for Bordeaux in this game. Um, I think the, what you've just laid out there, I mean, it's kind of all you need to know. That back line against this Nice forward line, I mean, three just sprinters and, and San Maximan coming into form, the the trickery and the taking people on and, and just trying to roast people. This whole front line will just roast this Bordeaux back line. I can't imagine I can't imagine Bordeaux getting anything out of this game. I think Nice might might thrash them. I think it might be like four nil. Jez? Um I'm just gonna go two nil, but I agree that I can't see anything but a Nice win. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I really worry for Govanek. I think it's a 2-0 win. I, I really think if it does end up something like you mentioned there, Sam, if it is something like a 4-0 defeat, that might be the end of Govnek. Even if he does maybe get a result in that last game, they might give him at least until the midweek. But I, I think he might be a dead man walking if he gets a real pummeling in this one again, given that Nice have had, or at least still a, a, a achievably get backable if it's the right word to really say because they, they're only three points off them so a victory does put them right next to them but again then if a defeat pushes them further away and when they do need to start picking up points it's a, it's a real worry uh, we move on to the, the final game of the weekend and it's a, it's a real barnstormer really and it's Leon versus Marseille second versus fourth two teams on on equal points and be desperate to to beat each other in these kind of big games in fact they have the same record at the moment ten wins five draws two losses each. Uh, we'll start with the home side. So, I mean, Leon, who had a pretty poor midweek, at least, and they've been indifferent the last couple of weeks. They've maybe, some would argue, got lucky against Amiens with a 2-1 result where they came back from behind, but they didn't play particularly well in that one. Thank They're very grateful for Awa to get those two goals against Caen. Caen played reasonably well, and then before then, they'd lost to Lille as well in that strange midweek result. Is it maybe a case of them taking the foot off the gas a little bit from that excellent run that we saw sort of October, November time? Or is this a sign of fatigue with this team and the, and the amount of times that they've played the sort of same players? Or is this just sort of the natural dip that you and ebbs and flows of a season that you would see that a team that is successful tends to get these close uh, dip wins when they need them in the season, when they're not playing at their top level? I think there's a few a few different things at play here. One is, yeah, they I think they maybe perhaps sort of started to read their own headlines a little bit. The way they were just blowing teams away. I mean that that first half against Nice, you know, they must have sort of thought themselves champions already. The Derby win that we mentioned, the thrashing of Saint Etienne, these sorts of things maybe maybe took their eyes off the ball a little bit. Also, you have to remember this is such a young team with a lot of newer players. A lot of the, the key players in this side have only been been there a year or less and so I think you kind of have to expect with with very young players that it's kind of hard to expect the same level out of them week after week you know we mentioned Awa I mean he's a he's a kid he was sort of nowhere 18 months ago and now he's a key player in this team and, and you know he's getting linked to Barcelona and this team is full of young really incredibly talented players like that but you maybe can't expect the same performance week after week out of them and then the other thing, perhaps the biggest thing, is the drop-in form of Nabil Fakir. Uh, the last international break, when he finally got called up by France again, at that point, the form he was in, you know, we talked about it here, he was, he was the player of the league. He was the best player in the league so far, and he, he hasn't been since. His, his form really has dropped off, and he's missed a couple of games, and he's just not been himself. Um, I know uh, Gine- Genesio was defending him, but... Uh, he really hasn't been the same Fakir who was just just tearing teams apart. And, and that's a big part of it as well. So there's a lot of different factors why Leon uh, maybe not not quite in the form they were. But as you mentioned, they're, they're still there. They're still the same number of points as Marseille. And, and you, you still have to think that they're, they're right in this battle for those, those Champions League places. 
It's just been a little bit of a dip recently, but they are admittedly still getting points. Jez, I mean, looking at the team at the moment, we've mentioned Fakir, he's dropped out, but one player that's pretty obviously missing is Bertrand Traore and Maxwell Cornet's played in his stead. The sort of switch at the weekend when they brought on Undumbele and Aowa went further out wide sort of gave them a little bit of extra energy with the not quite playing as well. Is is there a, is the Burkina Faso uh, international missing a real miss for them in the terms of balance of that front four, or do you think it, there's more to it than that? Um, I don't think he was really clicking and playing that brilliantly. There was that one match, was it the Dijon match, where he scored a brilliant free kick and he, he looked like he was about to sort of um, click then. I, I there was, there were, pro I think for a lot, of, what Sam said about, um, uh, can't remember which team he said it about now, about Saint Prier. I think that, um, that kind of applies to so many teams this year. I think Saint Etienne, the first few matches where they were winning, but they weren't winning well. Um, the, uh, Nantes, have been doing well, Saint-Prier, Marseille have been doing well, Saint-Prier, and Lyon, judging by a lot of Lyon fans, even what, what they've been saying, even during their good run, they haven't been entirely convincing. And certainly in terms of the forward line, they, whether it's um, Cornet or Traore on the right, Depay on the left, Diaz, um, who and until that fantastic pass for Aouar's winner the other day generally looks like he's not interested in passing to anyone. There have been issues there, but they've been able, I think, to, to kind of cover it up because they're all so talented that um, you know, if, if three of them are off form, there is a chance that one of the others could still sort of win the match for them on their own. Um, and I think, in a way, that bodes well for them because um, without really clicking for a lot of the season, they're, they're, they are still up there, you know, second, third place. Um, and yeah, during that time, you know, Toussaint has been um, amazingly consistent and reliable. Um, Aroua has grown in already into a fantastic player. And yeah, it's true that um, Fekir has, has, his form has dropped off a lot since earlier in the season. But I don't think it's affected them too much. I think only the, from memory, only the, that Lille result, which was a bit of a weird outlier, has, has, has been really poor in recent weeks. And, um, I think that considering it that it was more or less a, a kind of rebuilt forward line, the fact that they're still still up there um, as they all get used to each other uh, is yeah is a very good sign. But I do think that possibly right wing is an issue because Traore is not clicking and Cornet is certainly not necessarily the Lyon fans' favourites. Um, as great as he was the other day with with um, I think a goal and assist against Nice. Um, I'm not sure Lyon fans would want to be relying on him week in, week out. Mm, yeah, especially given his comments in the summer as well, where he, he looked like he was edging for the exit door at that moment. I, I would really like to see Lyon try something different at the moment with with Traore. I think that while it didn't seem like he was clicking much, his his pace and his ability to get in behind is something they're possibly missing at the moment. Cornet's maybe a bit more willing to try and get the ball and try and do that. I, I would like them to try and play a three-man midfield with those exciting midfielders that are consistent at the moment. That's Toussaint, Awa, and Ndombele. It won't really outbalance the team if they, they maybe move Fekir possibly centrally. I mean, the only issue with that is it's Fek either Fekir plays centrally or out wide or... or Diaz does one or the other and it, it maybe unsettles them a little bit but they are really struggling for, for consistency at least anyway even though they are still nicking games even if it is uh, late on maybe try something a little bit different especially in a game against a team like Marseille who are I mean we've mentioned a couple of times on the show that they've not really convinced massively this season Sam but you start looking at the sort of results they've had in the last couple of months and they've not lost in Ligue 1 since that game against Rennes back in week five, which is a terrific run. I mean, the <laughs> ones in there, I know we, we mentioned the Montpellier game was was a lucky one. There was a couple of decisions in that one that went their way. They got the point at Bordeaux as well late on. They, they probably deserved that one really, but it was it was tough at the moment. But in between those, they and then the same against the Lille result as well, where they probably nicked that one, but they win five and like Kong uh, with that one. They beat Gangon, they beat Metz in that run, yes. That's almost a formality as is the Saint-Étienne win last week. But they, they're they right up there at the moment and in, in decent form with, with players starting to grow into this team as well, which makes this 
contest at the weekend ever more interesting, doesn't it? Absolutely, it does. I mean, this this Marte team, we I think we maybe didn't expect too much out of them after sort of the the window closed and the big names that had been expected didn't arrive. You know, it was a bit of the uh, the Marseille Pensioners Club with the the old players that they brought in, and it was a, not many, not much youth, not much excitement, but it is still a very, very solid team. And, you know, you look when you watch the players that shine week after week, it's Luis Gustavo is, has been fantastic, just a great signing. Florian Tovan is just, again, I mean, I think he's gone up another level in, in the last couple of weeks where he's just been, it's just been excellent again. Uh, some of these less heralded players like Sambo and Gisa, it's just that there's a lot of grit in this this Marseille team. They, they, really, they really bust their gut to win games. And to imagine after that Ren defeat, when they were... They were just catastrophically bad. I mean, that was inc- just an incredible performance for how poor they were to lose so badly to that Ren side, who themselves were playing very poorly. To go from then to now without losing a game is remarkable, and it says a lot about this this group of players that perhaps a little bit shorter on quality than the other teams that are battling for second place. You know, they arguably have fewer stars. They definitely have fewer stars than Leon and Monaco. But the fact that they're up there and they're fighting and they're, they're fighting for these late points and late wins and it's really something to be admired that this Marseille team, you know, they're really, they are a genuine contender for the Champions League and I think if you'd said that when the transfer window closed, people probably wouldn't have believed you. The really satisfying thing about that win at the weekend against Saint-Étienne where again, it could have been three, four, five, six, eight. It could have been anything, really. Had the Marseille stuck away a few of the chances, they hit the post so many times. I think that uh, the goal frames at the Velodrome will be glad that they're not there this weekend, <laughs> at least anyway. Um, but the real pleasing thing, and I think this is, speaks to a lot of Ligue 1 fans, uh, Jez, is, is Valet Germain's double. I mean, he's struggled quite a bit this season, especially in the league anyway, to, to score. He's scored in Europa League qualifiers, but hasn't scored for a long while. But to get that double when they're desperate for a striker to get goals as well, and we all know that Germain has the experience of doing that in Ligue 1, it was really pleasing to see him finally. You could see the weight lift off his shoulders, couldn't you, when that first one went in. It felt like maybe now he might be the man for them. I think he's a fantastic player. I'm really pleased to see him on the score sheet. I'm still not convinced that playing him alone up front is using him to the to the best of his ability. I think he'd be better in with a with another striker. I think he's, you know, one of those very intelligent, I guess, kind of maybe a Teddy Sheringham type that that works very well off someone. You know, like he, like he did, I guess, with Falcao at times last year, um, using his intelligence to to put other people in, in good positions um but yeah very very pleased with him uh, i just i've made recently a few enemies amongst marseille fans because i just i am totally bemused as to how to how they're up there the only time i've seen them play well this season is against psg and um i think you know while it says a lot about their fight and you know possibly the fact that or Campos is one of their better players this year, says everything you need to know about the type of Marseille team that we've got this year. I think, sadly, it might say a bit more about the um, the quality of Ligue 1 this year, and it really does pay me to say it, because I, I really, yeah, apart from Gustavo and Tovan, very occasionally Sanson, I'm just not sure what there is in that team. And, you know, yeah, I think they got lucky against Bordeaux. They got extremely lucky against Montpellier. So on paper, it's a fantastic um, run of form. But uh, I'm just really unconvinced about them. And they'll probably go and beat Lyon 4 0 now. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, knowing your look at least anyway, I, I, I think you, you made a good point with Germain there that he needs someone around him and I always think back to the gate, the time where he scored his most goals in Ligue 1 and that was with Nice and that was with Hatem Ben Arfa being so close to him so often and, and giving him service and I think at the weekend when they played Tolvan and Paye and Lopez and Sanson in the side from the off they had more players around him and closer to him at, at crucial stages and he was had more room to manoeuvre into the attacking little positions he loves to go into it, into the corners where he tend to drag defenders and not running out of the box that he did so often when playing as a two-man up front. I think that makes him such a better player. I think I really hope that Rudy Garcia has the 
has the nerve, especially away at home, to try and do the same kind of thing and play enough players around Germain and be brave in this kind of game to, to give him the service that does get him the goals. Because if, if they can, that makes a, an enormous difference when you think that the midfield is getting better with Gustavo in front of them. The defence is not really been tested in the last couple of weeks as much, but they, they are slowly sort of gathering a little bit of form, especially uh, Jordan Marvey at left-back. They they just need a couple of things to click. You also think maybe in January, if they spot a couple of deals here and there for younger players as well to build on it, it could be a really, really interesting time for Marseille. But let's get some predictions to finish this one off. Uh, Jez, what do you think? <laughs> um, I feel like um, I've probably made a bit of a mess of myself. Um, I feel like Lyon should win, and if there's any justice in the world, Lyon will win. But I think it will be 2-0 with Marseille benefiting from the dodgy refereeing decisions that apparently they never, ever, ever get. Yeah, according to their fans. <laughs> where, where has this myth come from? <laughs> I don't, I don't get this at all. Um, um, Sam, what do you think? Oh, this game really—it just could be anything. But um, I think, like, ultimately, man for man, <clears throat> Leon are a much better team. You'd almost take every one of Leon's players in every position over any of Marseille's players. And in that context, also, you know, it's at home for Leon. I think you you have to. You have to back Leon to maybe to snap out of this sort of indifferent run and, uh, and to win this and win it well would really be a statement that they're they're here to stay and that they're looking at that second place as as really theirs and I I will I'm going to back them to do it I think it's going to be difficult I think three two to Bordeaux uh, sorry, uh, to Leon uh, yeah this feels like Marseille's water test doesn't it after the last couple of weeks that they've had a couple of lucky results they've had a great run in terms of not losing as well. Obviously, they played Monaco very early this season, but getting the draw where they probably should have won against Paris Saint-Germain as well would really give them a boost. But I agree. I, I feel like this would just be the one that, that Leon maybe sort of, I don't necessarily say dominate, but that I think they'll just have too much for the Leon the Leon defense it, I think it comes down to that the defending from Leon is better they've got a much more solid base to go from I, I do fear for for Marseille if Gustavo does play he's sort of playing more as a playmaker in a sense of sort of orchestrating things a little bit more other than being defensive my worry is maybe he's caught out especially with Nabil Fakir behind him this is the ideal game for him to get back into form uh, I'm going for a 2-1 win in this one. It's it's going to be a good one, though. I really fancy this game to be a bit... If they really want to go for it and they both want really want second, they'll go for it and it could be a really, really exciting game. But we've seen <laughs> seen that go <laughs> belly up too often in the league. I to get my hopes up too much, at least. Anyway, uh, that's all for this week. My thanks to Sam, uh, Jez, and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the main show on Monday and we will also have a similar main show to close out the end of the season on Thursday as well so do join us for that as well but for now enjoy your final 2017 weekend of football